Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 168 that was recorded on the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day, everybody in the U.S. As always, some of the games I played for the week, a little Arcadia Quest Beyond the Grave, some Emperor's Choice. You may not have heard of this one, but you will want to. We play a little Automobiles Racing Season, and I also got in a little bit more 51st State Master Set trying to get ready for the expansion Scavengers. I also talked about a few things that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to episode 168 of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. As always, you can send us some email. Let us know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. You can follow us on Twitter and now Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say for both of those. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. And our Twitch page is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. All right. I'm going to be working this week on getting some videos posted that my wife and I have recorded this past week um, for a couple of playthroughs and an unboxing that we did. And hopefully we're going to be able to get to more of these as we go forward. But let's jump into some of the games we played for this past week. My wife and I went over our friend Jim's house this past week and we were continuing our Arcadia quest Beyond the Grave Adventures. And I will say that this was the sixth part, the sixth scenario of the campaign that we're currently playing through. This is probably the best I had played throughout all of the games that we've done so far and pretty much in all of the games I've played of Arcadia Quest. For some reason, I was at the right place at the right time. Whenever somebody was damaging a monster, I was able to jump in and get the kill and get some gold. And I think at towards the end of the game... I had 34 gold or so, which was probably the most I think I had ever accumulated in any of the games we played. I won a number of the different categories that we had in the scenario. I also won the actual scenario adventure for that last one. But considering this was pretty much the only one that I had done really good in, I think when we total everything up at the end and it's all said and done... I'm probably not going to be in first place in any of the different categories. This, Like I said, this was the sixth scenario in the campaign, which would normally be the last scenario that we were going to play. But my buddy Jim picked up several of the different dragons, and I believe we're going to get together for one more playthrough, and I believe we're going to go up against the Chaos Dragon. So I'm really interested to see how the Chaos Dragons are going, or how the dragons in general are actually going to work. I don't have any of the dragons in my collection at all, so I really haven't read up too many or too much about them I'm not really familiar with them so kind of interested to see how they're actually going to play what they're actually going to do and what some of the objectives for that scenario are actually going to be uh, but i'm really looking forward to it we had a great time finishing up beyond the grave i wouldn't mind actually going through maybe that whole scenario again but i kind of do want to get into the pets uh, campaign that we have because I did pick up pets and that may be one of the next things we do after we do um, kind of face off against the dragon here. Maybe jump into pets and see what type of campaign fun we can have with some of the different pets as I think from some of the different videos I've seen on Cool Meter Not's uh, website in regards to Arcadia Quest. Pets actually looks kind of cool, especially some of the different powers that they give you. And I've, I've kind of mentioned that on some of the past podcasts. So I do would I would like to get into that next, but we'll see 
We'll see what we do. We may, I'm sure we'll be playing more Arcadia Quest here in the future, and it won't be done here. Um, so after I talk about the dragon next time, we'll see what we can get into next with Arcadia Quest. After that, my wife and I went down to our friendly local game store on Monday to play a few games. One of the first games my buddy Eric pulled out was a game that his fiance, soon to be wife, got from him from Japan, and that is called Emperor's Choice. Now, if you aren't familiar with the name Emperor's Choice, you may be familiar with the designer Hisashi Hayashi, and you may be familiar with one of his other titles, Yokohama. So, yes, this is from the designer who did Yokohama. This plays, I will say, significantly different than Yokohama. To me, this is more of an auction bidding game as well as a set collection game with, I guess you could say, so, there's a little bit of take that in there because there are some times where you can possibly be stealing some of the cards from your opponents that will let you score victory points, will let you get some resources and stuff. But let's go over kind of like how the game plays a little bit here real quick and what you're what you're trying to do. The game, of course, the name of the game, I guess you could say, is victory points. You're going to go for victory points at the end of the game. There are a multitude of ways of scoring victory points, not only throughout the game, but during final scoring. There is a whole list of things, which if you can read the rules out on BoardGameGeek, I will just let everybody do that. But let's kind of go through some of the different phases of the game and kind of how it's played. And hopefully, from playing this last night, hopefully I can get this right. Um, so one of the first phases of the game after you do setup is going to be the auction phase. The auction phase in this game is very unique in that you can bid cards that are in your hand, which are kind of like um, soldier cards or character cards. And you can also use black cubes, which are soldier cubes. Now, whatever your opponent before you has bid, so let's say if my wife was played before me and she bid one black cube as a soldier, then I am allowed to bid one character card as I can go one more character card than she played, as well as as many soldiers as I want to play. So if I had a character card that was worth two, and then I wanted to throw down three soldiers there, my bid would be five. The person to the next to me in bid lineup would then need to bid more than me. They would need to bid six or higher. Since I had played one character card, they are able to play two character cards and as many soldier cubes as they want. So the bidding is going to go around the table until one person passes. Once, And, and towards the end of the game, our bidding actually got, I think in the last round, I think got up to like around 14 or 15 people were bidding to try to get uh, that last first place so they could choose their set of King Dynasty tiles, um, which we'll get into next here shortly. But let's finish up the auction phase first. So like I said, auction is really interesting, especially with the character cards because you can only play a one number more of your character cards than the previous person before you. So, you know, there is a way where you can go up in multiple in those character cards. And the character cards, I believe you start off with a two and a three in your hand. You can purchase more of those character cards later on in the game. And I believe some of them go up to all the way up to nine. So, you know, just one character card you could put down. If you had a nine and an eight, you know, you could actually be bidding 17 right there. Now, the interesting thing is if you do win the bidding war, you will lose your highest placed card. So if you bid that nine down there, you're going to lose that nine when it gets to the end of the bidding phase. So once you pass, this is where the bidding kind of gets a little interesting because you're going to put your cards from kind of like highest to lowest. Whichever bid turn order tile that you took, you're going to lose 
the character that is kind of in that slot, I guess you could say. So your soldiers will count as one, and if you only placed one other card out there, the character card, you would basically have two columns of bidding components that you used. Now, if you took the third, fourth, or fifth bid token, you will not lose anything. If you took the second one, you would lose the lowest from the two that you had. So you would look at how many soldiers you played as well as your card, and you would lose possibly the character card that you put in play. So bidding here is rather interesting in that what you use to bid, you have a good chance of losing something the higher you are in the turn order. So if you're one or two in the turn order, you have a greater chance of losing something because you probably have two different kind of like columns that you kind of use for bidding, I guess you could say which I found to be very interesting. There were times where, you know, you would tr be going for that first, you know, that first turn order token. And, you know, having to put down a very high character card is something that, one, you paid for and something that could get you some bonus points at the end of the game. So you need to figure out if being first or being higher in that order um, is really going to pay off, or if holding on to those characters will pay off more at the end of the game. So once the whole auction phase is done, and once everybody has a turn order token, you're going to move into the manage management phase, which is done in turn order. You're going to go from player one to five. We are playing a five-player game. The first thing you're going to do is, in our five-player game, there were Kin Dynasty tiles that were set up. They were set up in rows of four, three, 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 and two. So the first player will get to look at these tiles, and this is where the set collection component of the game is going to come in, as you're going to take one of the rows of tiles. Depending on what you're going for, there are different castle cards that you could take. The more castle cards will get you coins during one of the later turns here or part components here in the management phase. There are other things you're going to get for set collection, like carriages, other characters you can do for set collection there. There is a great wall you can build, which will assist you in having to fight the barbarians. When those can come into play, when you can possibly, when somebody activates one of the tiles later, later on in the round, there's a couple of different things you need to really pay attention to. So you may not necessarily always go for the four tiles that were at the top of the rows of tiles that you have for selection, but you really want to try to see what tiles are there and what you're trying to build in your tableau. After you gain the set of tiles that you take, some of them could have an immediate effect. Some of them will have an X on there and then some sort of immediate effect where you could possibly get three gold. You can move up in the in one of the other tracks of the board. You'll do the immediate effects. You'll collect your income based on the castle tiles you have in your tableau. If you have one of the green Imperial Treasure cards, they have an effect that could possibly give you more Soldier Cubes, actual victory points right then and there. These actually have increasing rewards as the game goes on. So I believe the one with the Soldiers, I believe for the first four rounds, because the game consists of six rounds. During the first four rounds, I think you get one Soldier. In the fifth and sixth round, you might get two Soldiers. And then at the end of the game, you can get some additional victory points by holding on to those. One of the other immediate effect tiles that you can actually find is a tile that actually lets you steal one of these Imperial Treasure cards from somebody else on the table if all of them are already in play. And I believe you can actually steal before all of them are actually taken from the board if you want to, if somebody has one that you really want and want added to your collection. 
after the management phase is done, well, one of the last parts of the management phase is the resupply. All of the coins that you actually accumulated and collected during the turn, you can use to either buy a soldier cube, you can buy one of the characters that have been flipped face up for the round, or you can increase your palace level. Increasing on the palace level track will give you different rewards and accomplishments that you're going to be able to do on some of the other tracks on the board and increase some of the resources that you also have. So the last phase of gameplay for the round will be the Imperial Decree phase. There's going to be a trust track that everybody's going to be trying to move up along during the round. Whoever has that, whosever um, token is the highest on that track will get to score or get to choose, I guess, one of the tokens or cards that are there. It's A or B and you'll choose one. Ours was basically giving us three points with each one. The one lets you actually choose a policy card, and the other actually lets you flip over a policy card. And one gave treasure, and the other one actually, both of them let you choose a policy. One of them lets you choose a treasure, and the other one lets you flip over a policy card. So the policy cards are really interesting in the game. There's going to be a row of cards, and these policy cards are going to score a bunch of the different components and tiles you have in your tableau. So the number of carriages you have, possibly, how long the Great Wall is, it will let you possibly attack the barbarians that are there. All of the different tiles that you're building in your tableau are scored in different ways with the policy cards. And the interesting thing with the policy cards are they're double-sided. So like I said, one of the things you can do is actually flip one of those policy cards over and they do different things on the other side and they score differently based on whichever side is facing up. So you really need to pay attention that if one of your opponents is collecting, let's say, a lot of the books which actually looks like a, a something you would use for rolling sushi. They were, they're actually books, actually. It's like a bamboo thing. If one of your opponents a lot of those, you probably don't want to pick the policy that lets you score for books because I think one turn I actually made the mistake of picking that as the policy, and one of the opponents jumped. One of my opponents had a bunch of books, and they actually got like 20 points right there. I had several. I got some points, but it definitely wasn't anywhere near 20. So the policy card's really interesting, and we weren't paying, or I wasn't paying, I guess I should say, real close attention to those policy cards, and they're something that you really do need to pay attention to. I understood what they did. We went through what they kind of did on the one side, but I really didn't realize that flipping them over would have that much of an effect, and that could really change gameplay quite a bit. So I have a feeling the second time I play this, I'm really going to be studying these policy cards, and I'm really going to be utilizing those and trying to take advantage of those in collecting some of the different sets in my tableau as far as what I want to score, and then stopping people possibly from scoring other things in their tableaus by possibly flipping them over and not letting them be able to. Once you actually choose the A or B tile there during that decree phase, each round you're going to lose a number of trust points and it increases with each round. I think each, I think it starts off at four and then it, or three and it goes up from there. So let's say I was at 10 trust points. If I chose one of those tiles firstly, I would then lose three trust points and go down to seven. Now, if I was still in the lead, I would then get to carry out the decree, the decree phase again and would get to choose the other tile that was there. If not, whoever is currently highest on that trust track would then get to go, then they would lose three points. And I think at the end of the game, you were losing up to 10 points for 
each time you did one of those decrees. And those trust points are actually victory points at the end of the game, because I believe, let's say you can work your way up to 30, you will get half of that 30 in victory points at the end of the game during the final round scoring. So something you really need to judge whether using those decrees are going to pay off enough to where losing the points, if you're going to utilize them, is going to outweigh what you can get for having half of those points given to you just by being higher on the trust track. So there's a lot of different things you're going to need to think about with this. And that's essentially the main parts of the game. you got your auction phase, your management phase, and then that imperial decree phase. After that, you're going to rinse and repeat, like I said, for six rounds. Then you're going to execute final round scoring. I'm not going to go into final round scoring, but I will say, like I said, this is from the maker of Yokohama. This game is definitely, definitely quite different than Yokohama. But my wife and I instantly fell in love with it. The biggest drawback we have to the game is, of course, it requires three players. We were completely bummed when we saw that. But, of course, with an auction game, you're going to want three, four, or more players in the game. Because two players with an auction game just, to me, just isn't going to play right. So that's the reason why it does have the three-player minimum. It played really great with five. I think after the first playthrough, which took us a little bit longer than probably normal... Our second playthrough will probably be much significantly faster since we all understand the rules. We're Like I said, I want to concentrate a little bit more on those policy cards and just make sure I know when I should be flipping them over and not just choosing one to do one. That was probably not too, too smart on my point, but it was our first game. And to me, I was just learning it as a, as a learning game. And we still everybody still had a great time at the table playing it. I have a feeling that this game will get carried by somebody over here in the U.S. It'll be interesting if Tasty, Tasty Mineral Games actually brings this one over since they brought over Yokohama. I have a feeling that this one probably has a chance of being as popular as Yokohama, although that three-player play limit with the auction phase may may not make it as popular as Yokohama was since Yokohama does play with two players, but still an overall great game. The components were really good. The tile, when you're drawing the tiles from the bag and setting up everything for the beginning of the rounds, um, when people are setting up the dynasty tiles and everything that are going to be chosen and just everything was just really good with this game. I really liked it. I can't wait to see this one come to the U S and hopefully more people will get a chance to play this one. And the name of that game is Emperor's Choice. Very good game. If you get a chance to play it, you definitely want to check that one out. All right. After that, we jumped over to a little game of automobiles. Racing Season. Yes, we played the expansion for automobiles. And I have to say, I liked automobiles to begin with. Racing The Racing Season expansion, though, adds in a board that not only has a nice track on there, but the opposite side has two smaller tracks that are could be used for two-player games just to make the games a little bit faster and a little tighter considering there's not as many lanes. Some of the additional things they added to the games, like drivers, if you're playing a season, you can actually get sponsored and chain sponsors, I believe. The drivers definitely add in some really interesting different abilities. Um, one of my opponents had an ability where he was able to get rid of wear, up to three wear at the end of the round. I was able to draw two additional cubes at the beginning of my turn. Just a lot of different and varying type of abilities that the drivers are giving you. That was just really good to see. Most of the people at the playable had a 
at the table had already played Automobiles, and most of us liked it. But I think after playing with Racing Season, the expansion, I think a lot of us loved it. I mean, this was a game that I've that's been on my wish list for a while, and this has just really jumped to the top of my list now that after I've played this one, and my wife really enjoyed it. So I have a feeling getting this game into my collection now is probably going to be much, much easier since the wife has played the game. She likes it. We could sit around, do a two-player season, and see how that goes. So we might be doing some run-throughs of that maybe later on once we get this game into our collection. But Automobiles Race and Seizing was just a heck of a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm really interested in actually trying a season now after seeing some of the new additions and some of the new cards that were added to the game and what that will bring to the table. Okay, after that... My wife and I played a little 51st, Mas 51st State Master Set. Uh, she had never played this game before. This was my number three game of last year, I believe it was. I'm a huge fan of 51st State. I really like the game. I can't wait to play this game whenever it, you know, whenever I get a chance to actually play it. I picked up the expansion Scavengers, so I was hoping to actually get some playthroughs of Scavengers done. But since my wife had never played the game before, I told her, let's actually get her accustomed to the game. Let's get her up to speed on it and everything. We played several games of that. Each game she played, her score was significantly higher and she was doing a lot better. So we do have the expansion. We're going to be play testing that and playing with that this week. So I will hopefully be able to talk about that one next week and give a little review on the expansion for that. I also picked up the expansion for Tyrants of the Underdark, which we're going to need to get to the table here besides some of the other things we're trying to play. So we have a lot of stuff scheduled here for the next couple of weeks as far as things we're going to try to get to the table and get some reviews done on. Um, but that is pretty much what we played for this past week. Some of the games that I want to play, a couple weeks ago I had picked up Grand Prix. I don't know if I had mentioned this before, but after playing Automobiles last night, a couple of us at the table were really interested in actually playing Grand Prix. I had played Thunder Alley before. I really enjoyed Thunder Alley. I do prefer Formula One racing, I believe I mentioned before on the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to getting Grand Prix to the table. So I need to sit down, read this. I don't know if I'm going to get the instructions read before my meetup with my gaming group, which is Thursday especially with the holiday and stuff right now, because I'm actually recording the podcast a little late. So we are backlogged a little bit here. So if I can get the instructions read for Grand Prix, we can get that one to the table. I'm hopefully going to be talking about that within the next couple of weeks as well. One of the other games that is kind of, I see my friendly local games are ordered a lot of them, is a game called Dice Forge. I'm hearing a lot of buzz about this one. This is from the designer who created Seasons. This appears to definitely be more of an entry-level game. Uh, I know a couple of the guys that I had gamed with during my normal gaming night gave it a shot, and they said it's a good game. It is definitely an easier game. It is probably more family-friendly and more of a gateway and entry-level game than probably Seasons was. I prefer something with a little bit more meat on it. I would probably prefer Seasons over this, but I still want to try Dice Forge to actually see what it's like. It has a whole dice building mechanic to it. When I mean dice building, I mean you're actually going to be building dice like the game Rattlebones, where you're going to be popping pieces off of the dice and putting different actions and different components onto the dice themselves, for when you roll them, they will give you different resources or rewards. I did actually get to play around with the dice a little last night. They do look nice. The dice are very nice and chunky. They roll really nice. Popping the things on and off doesn't appear to be too hard. But the game just looks 
a little bit on the easier side. I'm wondering if maybe once an expansion or something comes out for this game, it might add a little bit more to it, might make it a little bit more meatier. We will have to wait and see, but I do want to get this game to the table. I do want to get it played so I can talk about it a little bit more. Um, and that is Dice Forge. That's what I'm hopefully going to be playing. And on that note, I think that's going to be it for this podcast. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there. Guild number 2440 is the guild number. On Twitter, you can follow us and Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop that G like I always say. Our Facebook page is what I'm playing now. Just do a search for that. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And I think that is going to be it for this week's episode. As always, I would like to thank everybody for joining me. Until next week, everybody knows what they should do. Go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Until next week, everybody, have a great week gaming, and I will talk to you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.